Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever received a gift uh, with it being Christmas this, this year? Can you look back at a time in your life, maybe Christmas or a birthday or something, where you just received an unexpected gift? Maybe you weren't expecting that particular person to give you a gift, or maybe the gift they gave you was just nothing at all like you thought it would be. Now, I love getting surprise gifts, personally. I mean, who doesn't? But I especially love it when someone who I really know and someone who really knows me well surprises me with something, something that I actually liked to receive. It may not be exactly what I would have bought for myself, but that's not the point. The point is there's something exciting about receiving that surprise gift. But then there are other people and other situations, and I won't name names here because you never know who's streaming on on Facebook, but there are some people in my life who I would prefer, they just stick to the wish list, you know what I mean? Um, And if they do decide to surprise me, I just pray they they sneak that gift receipt into the box. Um, But seriously, you know, all all jokes aside, you know, receiving an unexpected gift or a surprise gift. Can, it has the potential to be really exciting, but if we're honest, it also has the potential to be really disappointing. This is similar to what happened to a king in the Old Testament. His name was Ahaz. Ahaz was uh, the king of Judah in the 700s BC. And simply put, Ahaz was a bad king in a bad situation. His kingdom was being invaded from all sides, and it was not going very well for his army, right? His army was weak, and they were losing, and, and they were declining in number. And so Ahaz desperately needed reinforcement. He needed allies who could come in and and help his struggling army. So he went to make alliances with some strong military powers at the time, like Syria. And that's where the prophet Isaiah comes into the story. You know Isaiah, right? You were here today. We read from Isaiah when we lit the candle. We've been reading from the prophet Isaiah every Sunday in Advent, remembering his prophecies. And Isaiah comes along and begins prophesying to King Ahaz at this time when he's in need of reinforcement, right? uh, Isaiah tells Ahaz that God is going to give him a sign. In the middle of all this military turmoil, in the middle of all this hardship, God is going to give a sign to Ahaz. The Lord himself will give you a sign, says Isaiah. So what exactly is the sign? Is it a sign that despite their small number, it's going to be a David and Goliath situation? They can win this war. Is it a sign that reinforcements are coming to help? What is the sign? The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, to Emmanuel. That's the sign? That's what Ahaz gets in this difficult moment? This is seemingly irrelevant to what Ahaz really needs. Ahaz needs an army, not a baby, right? This sign is utterly unhelpful. Babies have nothing to offer in times of military conflict, except maybe how cute they are, which is is pretty exciting. I don't know how you could be at war when you've got this cute baby, but 
I have to imagine this is nothing what Ahaz wanted. I could, I could imagine how disappointed, right? How, how in despair, how, how hopeless Ahaz might have felt after hearing this prophetic word. And I don't know about you all, but I resonate with King Ahaz this Advent. I think many of us find ourselves in very similar situations. Every one of us has something that we desperately want or need this Christmas. And I'm not talking about the gifts that we're asking for. Those are fine. I'm talking about the deep desires and longings that you and I hold that desire that we have for that emotional, physical, spiritual, or mental pain that just won't go away, that need we have for help to make it through another difficult day, that longing for life to slow down and be enjoyable again, that very tangible need that some of us and many of our neighbors, our brothers and sisters, face every day for food, shelter, and clothing. We all have needs this Advent. We have longings and dreams that we hope will be realized this year. But like King Ahaz, you and I may not get what we think we need this Christmas. The real gift of Christmas may not necessarily be what we're hoping for. It may not even resemble what we think we need. The real gift of Christmas, I hope you're glad you came to church this morning, uh, may leave our hopes and dreams unfulfilled. I just have to, to say it. In fact, we may feel like this Christmas has nothing to offer us at all. And that's because the real gift of Christmas is a helpless baby. Not victory or triumph in the midst of hardship. Not an answer to the questions, the tough questions that you and I are asking. Not a solution to the real problems that we face day in and day out. The good news, and it is good news, may sound like bad news, but the good news of Christmas is that Emmanuel is born. God with us has come. Christ is present with us in the form of a helpless child. And that's the good news that will cause great joy. God with us has come. That simple fact is the good news of the first Christmas, the first Advent. And in this season that we call Advent, which simply means arrival, we celebrate that first arrival, that, that morning that Christ was born. But we also anticipate the second arrival, the second Advent, when Christ will return to make all things new, finally and fully. And we believe, we trust in that first advent was Christ when Christ was born. We also believe and we trust that Christ will come again. But there are not only two advents. Historically and to this day, the church really celebrates three advents. And I think the third advent is actually the most difficult for you and I, at least I'll speak for myself, the most difficult for me to not only believe, but really trust and experience. The third advent is not that Christ was born or that Christ will come again. The third advent is the reality that Christ can be born into each of our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. As the great mystic Meister Eckhart put it, the eternal birth must take place within you. And if we're honest, I think it's really hard for many of us to experience Christ born within us. Many of us go through our days without any real recognition that Christ is with us. We wake up 
We rush out the door to get to work or school or whatever it is we have to do that day. We go through the motions of our life. And if we're lucky, we pause for a few minutes in between all the rush and hurry to pray or to just slow down, or if we're honest, to scroll our phones. It can be really hard to recognize Christ with us, especially, ironically, in the busyness of this holiday season and the pain that often comes up when the holidays return. And yet, the whole meaning of this season we call Advent, this season we call Christmas, is presence. No, not the Christmas presents under the tree. Uh, pun intended there, sorry. I had to go there. Not the Christmas presents, but God's presence, right? God is present with us, and that is the real gift of this Christmas. God may not solve our problems. God might, and amen if he does, but God may not solve the problems you and I face this Advent, at least not on our timeline, but God will be with us. Again, back to Isaiah, there was this time when God promised the people of Israel that he would be with them. Listen to these words and hold on to them if you're, in, if you're in this season with me. Listen to these words from Isaiah. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Notice, not if you pass through the waters, not if you're going through the rivers. Do not be afraid when you go through the waters because I will be with you. The good news, the real gift this Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us. And I look out at you all and I trust this isn't profound. Many of you know this. You've been taught this, many of you. You believe this intellectually, but do we actually experience it? We want to know that Christ is with us and experience it in our everyday lives, but how? How do we actually become the kinds of people who can really recognize Emmanuel all around us? Well, I want to return to our passage that William and McKenna read for us earlier um, because I think there's a lot of power and beauty there. So I'm not going to reread the whole thing because they did such a great job, but let me summarize. It starts with these shepherds who were living out in the fields, and they were taking care of their sheep, doing what shepherds do. And all of a sudden, an angel appears to them, and they are terrified. They become afraid. The angel gave them good news, made an announcement to them that a savior, the Messiah, had been born. And just like the sign that was given to King Ahaz, the angel gives the shepherds a sign. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Uh, I love this part. Some other angels and they, they, the heavenly hosts show up at this point and just start worshiping. Glory to God in the highest. They start just praising God at that announcement. And then the angels leave, right? So what do the shepherds do now with that information? Do they question this strange encounter? The middle of the night, they're out in the field, and, and these angels appear. Do they shrug this news off? Who cares? This is irrelevant. We got sheep to take care of here. Um, what do they do? They hurry off. They rush off to find Mary, to find Joseph, and to find this newborn baby. And when they find Jesus, they actually see him. They recognize him for who he is, the Messiah, their Savior. And they don't take long. They recognize him, and then they go. 
they rush out to spread the word. They go and tell whoever they can find. Maybe you've heard the song, go tell it on the mountain. I don't know if they went and climbed a mountain, but they told whoever they could find. And I love this. Then they come back. They return. They go back to the baby Jesus, and it says they praise God. They, they rejoice for all that they've just seen and heard. In the familiarity of this story, right? Many of us have heard this in one way or another our whole lives. And I think in the familiarity, the the shepherds can easily be overlooked, right? It can be easy to just kind of think of them as a tool for um, Luke to announce this story. But I think if we want to be people, if you and I really, truly want to be people who can recognize God in our midst, then I think we have a lot to learn from these shepherds, okay? So I want to look a little bit closer. I just want to learn two things that we can learn from these shepherds and see um, what it might mean for you and I today, okay? The first thing I want to see um, about these shepherds is less about what they do or their actions, and it's more about who they are. Who are these shepherds? Well, as we can see from this text and as we know from um, history about this, this time period, shepherds... Um, they were living out in the fields, right? So put it in other terms, they were without a home. They were essentially homeless. Shepherds in that time period lived very difficult lives. They have to keep constant watch over their sheep against predators, right? Um, there's thieves. Most of them are dirt poor, humble, and they live these lowly kind of uh, outcast socially kind of lives. They're not exactly who you'd expect to be the first visitors of God incarnate, okay? But over and over again throughout the gospel, of Luke and other gospels, we see this great reversal, um, kind of like Jesus turning the tables of our, our minds and hearts, right? The, the great reversal of what we expect the divine to do and what the divine actually does. We expect, and they probably expected, the Messiah to come with great power and might, but he comes in silence and humility. We would probably expect God to announce his arrival through social or political elites, you know, the people with loud voices who can actually spread good news. But God chooses to come through a young virgin, a helpless baby, social outcasts, right? These shepherds would have been considered the lowest and least trustworthy of all in that society. Why does God do it like that? Well, First and foremost, that's just how God works. God seems to work in ways that overturn the common ideas and ways of our world, right? Look at Mary. She's understood this since before she even conceived. Look back a few weeks when we, um, when we were looking at the character of Mary in this Christmas story. Um, after this angel visits Mary and announces this, similarly to how this angel announced this to the shepherds, how does Mary respond? Mary responds also with a worship song, and she begins singing about this great reversal that God is doing. This song has has become known as the Magnificat, this this song glorifying God. Here's what Mary sings after the angel sees her. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. 
He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. If we want to become like these shepherds, if we want to become like Mary and recognize Emmanuel, God with us, as a newborn baby, then we too have to embrace our own lowliness. We have to embrace our own poverty of spirit, our brokenness, our pain, and our need this Christmas. If we don't humble ourselves and become like shepherds, aware of our lowliness, aware of our need, then we won't see Christ. We won't recognize him like these shepherds did. To use the words of Dorothy Soul as she reflected on this Christmas story and the role of the shepherds, she says, without the perspective of the poor, we see nothing, not even an angel. So first and foremost, you and I have to embrace our own lowliness, our brokenness, our pain, our poverty of spirit, this advent. And I want to say, first and foremost, this applies most literally to people who face financial hardship this advent, this Christmas. For people who are struggling, this word, this good news applies to you. And it also applies to those who are maybe poor in spirit this Advent, pushed down by the weight of pain, crushed, heartbroken, hurting this Christmas. Each and every one of us who holds pain, and, and a lot of us don't like to acknowledge it, but we all hold pain in our hearts. If we're willing to be honest in that pain, in that poverty of spirit, we are invited to recognize Emmanuel with us. Where is God? I don't know if you've asked that question before. I ask that question a lot in my life, especially in the hard times. Um, Henry Nouwen, the great spiritual writer, wrote many works of uh, spiritual devotion. He asked that question, and I think it's a really, really good question. Here's his answer. Where is God? God is where we are weak, vulnerable, small, and dependent. God is where the poor are, the hungry, the handicapped, the mentally ill, the elderly, the powerless. How can we come to know God when our focus is elsewhere on success, influence, and power? I increasingly believe that our faithfulness will depend on our willingness to go where there is brokenness, loneliness, and human need, to stay close to the small, vulnerable child that lives in our hearts and in every other human being. Often we do not know that the Christ child is with us. When we discover him, we can truly rejoice. I love that now and ends that with rejoicing. That is the good news that will cause great joy. If we want joy this Christmas, that's where we can find it. The weak, the vulnerable, the poor have a way of recognizing Emmanuel because he is one of them. He was born in weakness, poverty, and pain. And the shepherds teach us to embrace our weakness, vulnerability, and pain so that we can find Christ there because that's where he promises to meet us. The shepherds also, I think, teach us one more thing. After we find Christ in the weakness of our own hearts and lives, we can also find Christ in the hearts and lives of others. If we want to recognize Emmanuel all around us, then we begin by looking within and finding Christ within. But then we move outward to recognize the Christ among us, especially in our weak and vulnerable neighbors. This is, what, this is the message Jesus would teach, not only in his words, but in his whole life from his 
his birth to his death and resurrection. This is what Jesus would teach all through the Gospels. And one place that I think really highlights this is Matthew 25. How, what is it going to be like at the end of, at the end of days when, when we all face Christ? And this is what Jesus says. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Simply put, what Jesus wants us to see is that he is with us in the form of our neighbors. Whenever we feed the hungry, or welcome the stranger, or look after the sick, or visit those in prison in some mysterious way, we are doing that for Christ. That is where Christ is present. Dorothy Day, who I'm sure many of you know, that great social worker who gave her life to not only serve the poor, but to really be among the poor, put it just so beautifully. She says, it's no use saying that we are born 2,000 years too late to give room for Christ. Christ is always with us, always asking for room in our hearts. But now it is with the voice of our contemporaries that he speaks, with the eyes of store clerks, factory workers, and children that he gazes. If we want to find Christ this Christmas, we know where to look. But maybe like me, you're, you're having trouble seeing Christ in the midst of all the pain and hardship this Christmas. Well, I think the invitation for me and for you is to become like these shepherds, to embrace our own lowliness and poverty of spirit. Maybe you're in a season of great joy and gratitude and just thanksgiving, praise God, amen. God is present there as well. Or maybe if, if many of us are honest, it's both. We're we're both um, kind of oscillating. Some days we're here and some days we're here. That's how I've been. I heard terrible news a few weeks ago and at the same time celebrating the fact uh, having a baby shower for my wife. Like it's just, that's the, yeah, we can cheer for that. No, (laughs) but you know, like that's just life, right? It's it's the joy, the the high highs and the low lows. Um, So if you're in that place of a a joy and and gratitude, Christ is present there as well. But, But for all of us, no matter where we're at on that spectrum, Christ wants us to remember not only intellectually, but to experience the reality that he is with us, not just within us, but all around us in our neighbors this Christmas. That may not be how we expect God to be present. It may not be how we actually want Christ to be present, but Here's the thing, God doesn't always give us what we think we want or need. Just like Ahaz, we may be like Ahaz, right, who really needed an army, but all he gets was a prophecy. He didn't even get to live to see Emmanuel. He just got a word that Emmanuel was coming. But that baby, that Emmanuel, helpless, vulnerable, born uh, in animals' quarters, right? That vulnerable child is the savior of the whole world. That's the good news that will cause great joy. And I want to end with a quote from Brennan Manning. I know I've done a lot of quotes this morning. Uh, my Advent devotional that I've been reading every day has just been uh, food for my soul, honestly. I haven't had a lot of words to speak in, in the hardship of this season. And, and it's given me language and words um, to express that this really is a, a season of good news. So um, I want to read this quote from Brennan Manning and just remind us, you know, Christmas morning is a week from today. I 
say that not to scare you if you haven't prepared or done your shopping. I say that just to remind us that there's time. There's time for you and I to recognize Christ this Christmas. And, and the, the reality is we have time after the 25th. That's just a day on the calendar. This news is, is good for us all year round. And we have time to slow down to recognize Christ within, to, to move outward into our city and, and see Christ in the people all around us. That's my invitation to us this Christmas. But let's allow um, these words from Brendan Manning to remind us what we really need this Christmas. It, it may not be an answer or a solution to the hurt that we feel, but this is what we really need is God's presence. So here's Brendan Manning. Christmas means that God has given us nothing less than himself and his name is Jesus Christ. Be unwilling next Christmas to settle for anything else. Don't order just a piece of toast when eggs Benedict are on the menu. Don't come with a thimble when God has nothing less to give you than the ocean of himself. Don't be contented with a nice Christmas when Jesus says it has pleased my father to give you the kingdom. Pray. Go to work, play Trivial Pursuit, eat banana bread, exchange presents, go caroling, feed the hungry, comfort the lonely, and do all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope we can take on that truth this, this Christmas. Amen? Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.